this is a really unique episode, bonus episode of The Upside, and we're going to talk a lot about female health. So I want to say that right out of the gate, this episode is not for everyone, and there's going to be a lot of information um, that probably... This is probably not like an episode you want to listen to at work with your headphones off or in the car with your kids. And I just want to say that uh, right at the top. Some of the things that we're going to be discussing are um, incontinence, bladder issues, prolapse, endometriosis, um, back pain, hip pain, you name I mean, we talk about so many things. This is quite a long episode, but I'm really, really excited about it because it's a conversation with Dr. Amy Meehan, who co-owns a company called The Ravel. The Ravel specializes in pelvic floor physical therapy before, during, and after pregnancy. Any sort of female pain issue associated with pregnancy, they have seen it and treated it all. I am a client of Amy's. I started going to her my second trimester pregnancy, and I am five months postpartum and still seeing her for a couple of postpartum pain issues. And I wanted to share this conversation because it is such a widely under-discussed treatment for problems that women have unnecessarily, sometimes for their entire life. I know a lot of my friends have these issues, and I don't feel like people talk about it enough, so we're going to talk about it today. Amy earned her doctor of physical therapy at the University of St. Augustine for health science. She got her bachelor's degree in exercise science and has a minor in biology. She has been in practice for over a decade. This episode is not for everyone, like I mentioned before, and contains conversation about sex, traumatic birth, endometriosis, and sexual trauma. I hope you take away as much as I have from Amy. She is such a wealth of knowledge, and I can't wait to share her knowledge with you today. The upside means living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Upside with Callie and Jeff. How did you find out about physical therapy, pelvic floor physical therapy? Because it's pretty kind of new. It is, but I would say it's not in a sense. So I've been a PT, gosh, now almost 12 years, which blows my mind. I'm like, I'm not that old yet, am I? (laughs) So going through PT school, you get like one lecture on pelvic floor. Okay. So like when you go through PT school right out of college, you're in your 20s, no one has kids. Like all you really care about is when's class over so we can go have a beer after class. And then all of a sudden you have this table full of lubes and dilators and all of this stuff. And they say the word vagina in PT school. And you're like, oh, that is definitely not for me. And then you have children and you're like, oh, so that's where babies come out of. So this probably is this like, probably matters. <laughs> this is kind of a big deal. Um, so just my personal experience, I had my first, who's now seven and a half, which blows my mind, and had a slew of issues. And then went to my practice that I was seeing and said, hey, look, I know this is a thing. I'm having these issues. Your OB, you mean? Yeah, my OB. Uh-huh. And then wanted to wanted to get treatment. And she's like, okay, it might help. It might not. Here's you a script. Go here. I went into uh, this big, tall medical facility. It was kind of like a mixed practice to where they saw athletes, pelvic floor, lymphedema, like all the things. And I walk in with my seven-week-old, mastitis, like the works. She's like, okay, let's come in, have you get undressed, and you get comfortable. 
But then there's like wall ball going like on the door next oh, to me. And it was my awful. Gosh. I left there in tears, feeling defeated and just like upset that how in the world as postpartum women, like this is the care that we're receiving. It was underwhelming. It was, I was just so defeated. And I vowed to myself that day. I said, never again, like never again, career change, because you don't just come out of PT school and do pelvic floor. Like it's another specialization on top of getting your doctorate. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a process. So at that point I said, nope, I went home to my husband and I'm like, career change. And he's like, okay, wait, pump the brakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Let me tie you back from the ledge. Um, but he was so supportive and he saw how much passion I had for this. And then, you know, it just unfolded. And now my business partner, Kelly, who's now in Denver, we just started this practice together. And I mean, our passion just bleeds through our treatments every single day. Um, but yeah, pelvic floor now it's becoming more mainstream. I think that's important with social media too. Mm -hmm. um, people like yourself talking about it, being open about their experiences and giving these other women hope. And that's my mission. So let's talk about what different things you can treat because mm -hmm. um, we will be talking quite a bit about uh, pregnancy and postpartum, but also there are things outside of that yeah. that you can treat. So, so what exactly do you treat for someone that doesn't know anything about right. what you do? So I'll kind of give you my elevator spiel. So again, when we have people call the practice and they say, okay, what, what exactly is it that you do? So we are a practice for women solely. Like that is, again, you walk in, it's pink and frilly. So that's kind of what we really, really focus on. And we say we specialize in pelvic floor. When we say pelvic floor, I'll kind of throw out some diagnoses. Um, interstitial cystitis, um, endometriosis, painful intercourse, painful pelvic floor examinations, um, history of any like gynecological surgeries we also treat. But then on top of that, we really cater to the pregnant and postpartum population. Um, we do a lot of pregnancy prep. We do a lot of kind of like what you and I did. We do a lot of that immediate postpartum because we don't want you guys to get to the point where you're coming and seeing me after you've had three gynecological surgeries. Like, let's get this before then. So we say pregnancy, pelvic floor, postpartum, like that's our niche. Perfect. Well, I think... Um there were a lot of questions about, you know, what can you treat? What kind of, you know, what, what kind of things do you do? So that answers that. I first went because, um, I was, I think like 22 weeks pregnant or something like that. And I had such bad, bad lower back pain. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. And, I kind of, I'm like, oh, well, here comes pregnancy because yep. everybody just says like, oh, that's just the way it is. Like mm -hmm. pain, being uncomfortable all the time. It's just how it is. Kind of like not get over it, but it's part of the deal. So right. I assumed it was. And I was telling my yoga instructor, her name's Kelly, um, about it. And she was like, oh, Callie, girl, I got to tell you something. And she told me, she and my friend Liz, because mm -hmm. I had a friend who's also a PT from Virginia she was like telling me some exercises that I could do. And then she's like, but honestly, you got to find someone in person. And I looked up people online and I was so intimidated because I feel like pelvic floor physical therapy isn't something you want to dive into for the fear of the experience like you had, yeah. unless you know someone that's been and can tell you it's going to be okay. Right. And Kelly did that for me. So when I mentioned it to her, she was like, oh my gosh, I know this great woman, Amy. She owns this place called The Ravel. They have amazing pelvic floor physical therapists and you should go. And I'm like, yeah, but it's for my back. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, but it's all connected. And I'm telling you. And I was like, well, I don't know. And it <laughs> sounds kind of like invasive and like kind of weird. And if you know me, you know, that I'm super private, super modest. I do not like people in my biz. And I just was kind of hesitant about it. But I was in so much pain mm-hmm. that I made the appointment. And um, I over the course of pregnancy, I learned so much about my body. I had different things change almost every week in pregnancy. So I would go in there every two or three weeks and have like a whole different set of problems, Mm -hmm. but we managed the ones that I had and then whatever. So that's how I was introduced to Amy. Um, I want to start off with the most popular topic. And when I say the most popular, I got hundreds, hundreds of messages talking about peeing yourself. And that is so common. I mean, from women that haven't even, that haven't had kids, Mm -hmm. from women that have had kids. um, I know at at a point in my treatment, I came in, I'm like, okay, Amy, I sneezed today and and I peed a little bit. It's happening. (laughs) And again, I thought that was one of those things that, oh, you just pee yourself as you get older. You just pee yourself when you are pregnant. You just pee yourself after you have a baby. And I'm here to tell you what Amy's going to say. And she's going to say, not true. Not true. So not true. Um, Like peeing your pants is not cool. Like, I'm sorry. It is not like, (laughs) it's not the cool thing to do these days. So you have to think about it this way. Again, the pelvic floor houses like so many muscles and those muscles are going to control sphincters. Sphincters open and close things, right? That's your pee hole. So what we have to think about, regardless if we have, we've had trauma, babies, surgeries, all this kind of stuff to the pelvic floor, that's going to change how these things function, right? Then when we want to return to running and jumping and cardio or sneezing or lifting our kids and we're like, oh, just peed a little, that's coming from just the dysfunction from the coordination of the muscles. Are the muscles hypertonic, which I know we'll probably discuss? Um, do they have low tone? Are they just not working together? Is it coming from somewhere else like pressure management from your abdomen? So those are all of the things that we discuss with all of our patients. And it's crazy because I immediately thought, oh, my muscles are weak. She's going to tell me I need to do kegels. I get in the appointment and she's like, actually, the walls of your pelvic floor are so strong and built up. We need you to relax. It's actually the opposite of like toning them up. We need to like chill them out. Like chill them out for sure. And again, (sighs) like that's the hard part is just saying, yeah, like the how is – oh my gosh, okay, well, that sounds great, but all you hear are like is, oh, Kegels, Kegels, Kegels. Like that is not the answer to the majority of the things that I treat. I would say the hypertonicity, the down training, the relaxing of the muscles, um, and that's going to come with certain exercises, a lot of manual work, and that's kind of like the internal work that we do. And then we teach you guys how to do it as well, whether that's with exercises or manual work that I teach you as well. And you have to think about it like this. Say you walk around all day, like we've all one-tripped it from the grocery store, right? Like you load up your arms with your bags and you're like, (laughs) I got this. I'm making one trip. And then you put your groceries down and you're like, your bicep muscle hurts so bad, okay? Think about your pelvic floor. Like if you're walking around all day with those muscles just clenched, 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 and then someone's like, okay, let's just relax them. Like it's going to take a hot second for those to be able to relax. So that's when the exercises and the manual work and things like that will help relax those muscles. So then we can start to train function. And now we can start to train those sphincters so you can run and jump and sneeze and cough without peeing yourself. And it's, you know, like translation, 
it might be because your muscles are really, really strong. That's yes. might that might be why you're peeing yourself. And you explained it to me in such a great way. Um, in addition to what you just said, when I came to see you and you said, okay, so, and we naturally, I mean, we do it all the time. Like, you know, people yes. hold their breath in pictures and I think women do it probably more than men where we, you know, suck in and were, you know, standing up tall. And I was a dancer forever. So like, I know like in ballet, they're like, suck it in, suck it up. And Mm -hmm. you just walk around the world tense. And I don't even know that. And now all of a sudden there's like, oh, well, I'm so tense that there comes a point where when I sneeze, my muscle just can't take it anymore. It's like, I need relief. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was funny to kind of get that perspective because what everyone wants to say is, oh, you're paying yourself because you're not doing kegels. Mm-hmm. And that's not even, that was maybe true for some people, right. but it was definitely not true for me. Yeah. And I know someone asked, what percentage of people do you see that they have a weak pelvic floor? Mm-hmm. And what percentage of women do you see that actually have a really strong pelvic floor that you have to work mm-hmm. to relax? So I think we have to kind of change that terminology. Instead of like weak and strong, we have to think more of it like muscle tone. Because I always say a short muscle is a tight muscle is a weak muscle. So again, if that muscle is kind of like bulky and feels really strong, does it have any length to it? Kind of like a hamstring. Like you can have like these big bulky hamstrings, but again, if you tell this bodybuilder to go and, you know, do a high kick nine times out of 10, he's not going to be able to get it. He doesn't, he can't do that. So I think we have to look at it as more of in the terms of hype ertonic and hypotonic. So that's related to tone. Like, what does it feel like? So if you contract your bicep, it's like super strong or if it's relaxed and it's nice and soft. Right. So I think that's more how we have to look at it. But percentage wise, I would say 75 plus percent of my personal patients are hypertonic versus just complete low tone, which is insane because that totally defies what we've all been told forever. Crazy. And so you don't crazy. know this stuff, by the way, until you get an exam. And mm-hmm. that's something that we'll talk about a little bit later. Because um, I will tell you kind of what that looks like from someone that doesn't know anything about medicine and hates these type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give you my my personal perspective on it. Um, but the, the peeing thing, is there anything that anybody can do um, to help that? Or do you really need to be seen by someone to determine why that's happening? So... Again, of course, I'm going to say I would love for you to kind of like find your local PT and get assessed and see where you are because that's going to be like that long-term fix. But on the short term, we always tell everyone like don't think like, oh, cross your legs or hold your crotch, right? So I always tell everyone, okay, think if you can do this really quick little contraction and then cough or sneeze, like prep your pelvic floor and just do that one really little like I got a contraction and then cough or sneeze or bear down or whatever you have to do. And that sometimes, we call it the knack, mm-hmm. um, fun little name. And so sometimes if you can perform that knack right before that increased moment of pressure, that can sometimes help too. That's kind of like the quick fix. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that should almost become second nature with appropriate training and so forth. But that's like my quick fix. I feel like we should say, like, I don't, I want to make sure that people know pelvic floor physical therapy, in my opinion, it's not like going to a gym and having a gym membership. To me, yeah. it's like it's like doing physical therapy after you've had an injury or surgery or something like that. It's not forever. And I don't want people to think that if you have an issue or you're struggling with something we're talking about, or even something that we're not talking about, that this is going to be a two-year, tens of thousands of dollars 
problem that you're going to have. I think Amy said to me, she's like, yeah, no one sees me 12 times. No, like, I mean, like she, you teach us yes. how about our body and then how to prevent those things from happening. So yeah. I think maybe it happened two times. Like I, the sneeze when I pee thing happened, I immediately texted Amy. I'm like, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had an appointment a week later. And then I think maybe it happened one time after that forever, mm-hmm. never happened again. Yeah. And it's because I knew, first of all, I was aware of what my body was doing. And then I was aware of what you, you know, had taught me about like, you know, the tensing up and the releasing and every, everything you just mm-hmm. said. So I want to make it clear, like, we're not selling you on like joining a practice that's going to be like five years long. Like You're this is fixable stuff, <laughs> yes. but there's light at the end of the tunnel. And Absolutely. I think people don't think that there is in the messages that I got is, am I going to pee myself forever? Right. You don't have to. You don't have to. And it's really nice when you don't, honestly. it's nice when you don't. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, but I, again, I'm a big runner. I love to lift. Like, that's like my thing. And that was an issue that I had postpartum. I'm like, I can't even take my little one, like, walking up my hill. Like, that's Atlanta, right? Like, you can't walk out a driveway and not walk up a hill. Right. And so I'm like, I'm peeing on myself. I have heaviness. I have pain. Like, what is wrong with me? And I felt like, oh my gosh, it's my fault because I'm a PT. I should know these things. But no, like sometimes we can't control the kind of labors and deliveries that we have. But again, I just said to myself, I'm like, this is unacceptable. I refuse this to be my new normal. I sought out help and again, knew enough to be able to kind of co-treat myself. And then again, like I said, I have the best business partner and we all up in each other's biz. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> we, we have treated each other more times. She's got four kids. I've got two. And so like, yes, we are very close. Right. Um, but again, now I can run sprints and I can do jump rope and I can do all of the things I want to do and not have leakage. And it's so nice to not have to leave the gym and be like, no, I can't go to the grocery store after. Cause I have to go change. change. My pants. Did you, um, can you treat someone who had kids like 10 years ago, but oh, is yeah. just now thinking about this and they're like, or not thinking about it, but knowing, learning about it and yeah. saying, oh my gosh, but I had 10 kids 10 years ago. Like I've been, yeah. do, is it possible to not, to not pee yourself, even yeah. if it's been 10 years since you it has, gave birth? Because it's, it's something like this. It's saying, okay, these are muscles and muscles adapt right? Mm -hmm. Think as we age, think as we do new sports and new activities or have babies or whatever that is, muscles will adapt, but you have to specifically train those muscles. You just, I mean, you Mm -hmm. have to specifically train them. So again, it's, it's figuring out, okay, is this just the issue? Is the pelvic floor just the issue? Or is there something else going on with the low back or the core or some secondary stuff too? So I don't care if you're 10 years. I see women that are in their 50s, their 60s, postmenopausal, mm-hmm. and we can make some significant changes with that. Does menopause change anything with your pelvic floor or is that more just like chemical? It does. Yeah. So you have to think about, and that's like, that's a whole, that's it's a, a whole other yeah. thing. But you guys do treat mm-hmm. postmenopausal women. We do. Yeah. Because you do, you have this like kind of change in hormones. I'll keep it super basic. You have this change in hormones, which then in turn affects the tissues down there. Okay. And then if that affects the tissues down there, it's going to affect what's going on down okay. there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. We're going to take two minutes to acknowledge and thank our sponsors for today's show. And when we come back, we are going to talk about about the number two most popular uh, question topic, which is painful sex. 
Third Love makes the most comfortable bras, my personal favorite, in more than 80 sizes. They have cups from AA to I, including half cups, which is super awesome and unique, and bands from 30 to 48. Now, what you want to do is you want to go to thirdlove.com slash upside, and they have a fitting room quiz. So the Fit Finder quiz is now the fitting room. It's a new and improved version of the quiz. So you'll take this quiz, answer a bunch of questions about your current bra, and they won't totally all make sense to you, but there is a method to the madness with third love. So you answer these questions and they will suggest the right fitting third love bra for you. Now, mine was a half cup size off of what I've been wearing basically my whole life. And the fit is so much better. My personal favorite bra is the classic t-shirt. It's amazing. It is so comfortable. I wear them every single day. Third Love knows your one true fit is out there. So right now they're offering upside listeners 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash upside now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash upside for 20% off today. Everybody knows how stressful last year was. But let's not discount this year. We've become accustomed to kind of a new way of living, laying low, wearing masks, being socially distant, not really having a ton of interaction in a lot of cases, either with coworkers, friends, even family. But now we're coming out of that and that can create some stress and anxiety. Don't discount those feelings. If you are feeling overwhelmed by that, talk to someone. And I recommend talking to someone at BetterHelp. If you go to betterhelp.com slash upside, you're going to be connected in a safe and private online environment with a licensed therapist who will help you with whatever you need. It's not self-help, it's professional counseling. And from the time you take their quiz to evaluate what your needs are to the time that you actually are talking to a therapist, it's usually less than 24 hours. I want you to start living a happier life today. As an Upside listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash upside. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash upside. Okay, juicy, juicy, but I feel like we have to talk about it because this was the second most popular topic that we asked about, that was asked about on Instagram. Okay. Sex, painful sex. I cannot even, I was kind of like, I don't really know what that means. And I assumed that it meant really painful. Want to cry. Um, I would go as so far as to say uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like if you're having uncomfortable sex, because that happened before I even got pregnant, I didn't even know I was uncomfortable. Right. Um, and when you were explaining something about like the walls of my pelvic floor and the muscles, and I'm like, Oh, that's why, you know, every 10th time it yeah. feels like Jeff's hitting a wall. Like that's why it hurts and it's not supposed to hurt. Yes. And, um, it, I didn't even know that that was a th thing. I thought we yeah. were just like too eager beaver or something and just like too excited. And then <laughs> things to, were. You got to get like the motion in the ocean first, right? No. Yeah. I thought that that's what that was about. Yeah. And it wasn't, you're like, he's literally hitting a wall. Like that's why yeah. it feels like that. And that's why it's so tender and it hurts. Um, and then now on the postpartum side of it, I texted Amy a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, it feels like someone's pinching me from the inside. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it just, it hurts. Um, why 
just so many women have problems with sex, postpartum, and painful sex. Mm-hmm. Even I had a C-section. Right. So oh, this is going to be so good. Okay. I wish you guys could see my face right now because like <laughs> this is seriously, oh my gosh, this is like my love language, right? Like I, talking sex is a one, it's like, it's so important. Like we do it. Sometimes you're in the mood. Sometimes you're not in the mood. Like, but we have to normalize it. We have to normalize this conversation around sex because most of us do it. Right. And so it's like, have a conversation about it, but pain with sex it's people see it as like embarrassing. They don't want to want to talk about it. They're like, just steer away from it. So this seriously is like my love language. I mean, like, I love it. Okay. So postpartum sex. So think about it this way. If you've had a vaginal delivery, we'll start there. You've had trauma to the pelvic floor, regardless. Doesn't matter if you've had tearing, doesn't matter if you've had an episiotomy, whether they use devices or whatever. There is a human being that has come out of your vagina we're going to consider that trauma, okay? Whether it's almost like skid marks on the way out or if you've had tearing, that in results as scar tissue mm-hmm. and torn muscles. So now, I don't know if you're a football fan, but it's like, I love football. And I've seen plenty of athletes tear their ACLs or their quads. They've torn muscles, they've been stitched back up and they give this beautiful 16-week protocol to return to activity. Right. And then here we are. They're like, oh, you ripped from your <laughs> vagina to your anus. We're going to stitch you back up and wish you well. Oh, best of luck. <laughs> yeah. Six weeks. Six there you weeks. Go. Yeah. Um, so big answer uh. is no, right? So my job is to say, no, no. Okay. Let's <laughs> slow, slow down. down. Slow down. <laughs> we, we kind of call it our six-week well check. I mean, the babies get how many well checks? You get your check, your six-week checkup at the, the OB and they're like, everything looks like it's healing nicely. And, you know, they kind of clear you for sex and you're like, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> like, not only am I like not feeling 100%, but I am terrified. Yes. I'm terrified. Yes. You know the Bernie Sanders meme where he's like sitting like the entire yes. And it's like every vagina owner at six weeks yes. when the doctor clears them for post. Yes. <laughs> um, that was me. Okay. So I digress. You're like, whoa okay. there. <laughs> So what can happen is, again, scar tissue. Scar tissue is painful, right? And it can be in the vaginal canal. It can also be outside the vaginal canal too, like more on like the skin and the fascia. So we can work that out. Then you have to think about if you're lactating or breastfeeding, you can be at like peak arousal and dry as a desert. And a lot of women don't realize that. So you have those hormones that can affect the lubrication. Mm -hmm. So then we talk about, okay, we'll try this lube. We'll put it here and do this. And that can make a big difference. And then you have to talk about C-section. Whenever you have a C-section, again, there might be some people listening, be like, I don't really even know what that is. They cut through skin fat and fascia, a very thick muscular layer, your peritoneum, which is your abdominal wall cavity. Oh, and then there's your uterus and they're (laughs) going to pull the baby out. And then they stitch you back up and same thing kind of sends you on your way. Like that's a major abdominal surgery. Yeah. And we got to treat it like that. Yeah. So now again, and now they don't just send you home and say, okay, honey, you rest. Like they give you a baby. (laughs) (laughs) And then they say, okay, take care of this baby, but like don't climb stairs and don't lift anything more than like 10 pounds. You're like, I'm pretty sure my baby's eight and my car seat's four. Right. How is that math going to (laughs) work? And I live on the third floor. So, so again, But what we have to think about is you've had a C-section, right? And all those muscles have been cut through. And now they say, protect, protect, protect. So we protect. Well, if you go one to two inches below that C-section, there's your pelvic floor. And the pelvic floor and the core co-contract. So now you're in guard Because I think we think when like pelvic floor, at least mm-hmm. for me, like if you think about maybe where like your underwear line hits, yeah. if you haven't had a C-section or something like that, I would think pelvic floor to me would be mm-hmm. like more 
top of your vagina. Like it, yeah. those two don't seem like they would be on top of each other. Yeah. Well, they're not like right on top. Not, you have but to think like, enough to impact each yeah, other. Yeah. Like where everything comes in and connects. And again, you're all kind of connected in there too, which is like the body is so cool. Like it is just, um, it's just like a magical little being. Um, so everything's super, super close. So think about like your pubic bone, right? Everybody kind of knows where like your pubic bone is. So just on the underside of your pubic bone, that's where pelvic floor attaches. Mm -hmm. And then right on top of it, that's where your core muscles come down and attach. And that's what's been cut through. So we tend to kind of hold and guard everything right there. So now we're going back to that hypertonicity where the muscles just have a lot of like tension in them. So I actually see a lot more painful intercourse post-C-section than just vaginal delivery. I do. Um, and so we work on that down training and manual work and release techniques. And it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't think it could be me because I had a C-section. But it's- Right, because yeah. it's not obvious- at least it wasn't to me. Like, mm -hmm. why would it, why would I have pain? Right. If I didn't, you know what I mean? You're if like, I didn't have vaginal, yeah. nothing came out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super mind-blowingly interesting. Someone asked if you're having painful sex, but not all the time. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't hurt every time, yeah. but it hurts like one out of 10 times. Yeah. Like, is that something that you should ask a PT about mm -hmm. or something that could be treated? Or is it just kind of like, oh, well, sometimes it happens. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really going to depend. So I would, I would want to know a little bit more. Does it hurt on entrance? Does it that deep discomfort? Is it lingering afterwards? Is it pain with your orgasm? Like all of those questions kind of tell us a little bit more about where it could be coming from, right? Mm -hmm. If it's sometimes like feel like you're hitting a wall. Uh, well, throughout your cycle, your uterus kind of slowly changes its position. So it could be like, oh, you know, this part in my cycle is when I always have discomfort. And then that's when okay. we say, okay, like if you know, if you're tracking your cycle, then you can use little devices like our little cush device. And that's like that little bumper that you can have. But if it's recurring and there's no real pattern to it, I would definitely want to dive in a little bit more and say, okay, is it the muscles? Is it the tissues? Like what is causing, is it lubrication? Like what's causing you to have that discomfort? Someone said too, and I think this is so common and I have heard so many friends of mine talk about this. Um, someone said, I, am I broken if I am a year postpartum and sex is still painful for me? No, you're not broken. And we're really good fixers. So, <laughs> so no, um, because you have to think too, like, I'm sorry, but the first year of baby's life and like mom's life, I would guess you could say, like, it's really hard. And I think a lot of times our focus shifts away from our, from our bodies to mm -hmm. baby, which it's supposed to. So I think too, one year postpartum, no, you're not broken. It's just, we've got to take that moment of self-care and determine, okay, why is sex still painful for you? Right. And this is still something that you can't really self-diagnose mm -hmm. like a professional needs to get to the bottom of like, why? Because the second part of that question was, is there anything I can be doing at home to help mm -hmm. me? So we coach people through self-assessments. I'm sorry, but I think everyone should be able to like pick their vulva. That's like what you see in the mirror. Like everyone should be able to pick their vulva out of like a lineup. You should be like, mm, that one's mine. Third one <laughs> on the right. Uh, like you really should. So you got yeah. to get to know it. And then I would also ask the questions, if you're still having pain one year, two year, three years postpartum, like, have you looked, do you see scarring? Um, have you touched like you touched and say, oh, wow, like I'm really sensitive here. So that way you can kind of even do like a virtual consult with someone, not necessarily even going to see someone and telling them, okay, I've looked, I see this little white line. Is this a scar? Um, I've noticed when I touched 
to the right side, I'm really, really tender. And then we can coach someone a little bit more through that. But I say the first step, it's like the first step in your recovery is just take a mirror and look. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's beautiful. They're all different and they're all amazing, but like getting to know your vulva is step one. And then that way you can have someone help kind of coach you through what you can be doing. And just FYI, it's really awkward. It's so awkward. It's so weird. Amy made like, me do I it. I love them all, no, but <laughs> not with her. But I am this, I am the person, and I will say Amy knows this about me. I do not like being like naked in front of people. I don't like going to the gynecologist. I don't like, you know, you're not gonna see me like skinny dipping with friends or like I just don't like people in my biz, like minus my husband. So I just don't, it's just always been not uncomfortable to me, but it, it is uncomfortable and it's weird. So Amy's like, okay, first homework assignment, go home, yes. look at yourself in the mirror. And I'm like, uh, I'm not doing that. You're She's like, like, yeah, you um, are. Which way and how? I'm and like, where I don't do you even know. Mirror? I don't even think I have a mirror. Like what is the deal? I'm like, don't worry. I give all my new patients one. Here you go. You're, you're set. Amy gives the best party favors. <laughs> yes, um, I do. But it is really interesting. And once you get past the hurdle of yourself, like there might be answers there. And like, I, I know that there are going to be people that feel weird. If you feel weird about touching yourself or exploring or whatever, mm -hmm. like it doesn't, when you do that for the first time, it's definitely not in a sexual way because right. nine times yeah. out of 10, it hurts. So you're yeah. trying to figure out where the pain point is. And if you're someone that's really private and you're scared to go in, but you want to do like a virtual consult, knowing where your pain is mm -hmm. super helps. And if you can figure that out on your own, yes. like, it's not, it doesn't have to be weird. And like you're looking for pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do not look at your vulva on a virtual consult. Like, yeah. And don't let anyone talk you <laughs> yeah. into that. Like don't. Put that is a no, no. So again, when we say virtual, <laughs> we will ask you a lot of questions about your vulva, but we won't be like, okay, now let me see what you got, what you're yeah. working with. So, um, and I would yeah. say over the internet, I would say, don't get naked over the internet <laughs> yes. as a general yes. rule. Yes. Let's not that's do our that. disclaimer for today. Um, yes. That's yeah, a big one. Don't do that. But that's, you know, <laughs> painful sex is a thing. Um, and that's why a painful sex after a C-section is a thing, which somebody asked about. Um, somebody said, I haven't been able to find enjoyable stimulation with penetration since I had kids. Is that related to anything that you do or could help me with? It does. And I think we have to look at this as like a collaborative approach too. So again, finding good practitioners like myself, or again, I have so many in the Atlanta area that I love. And again, we got Charlotte and Denver, like all this, all these places. It has to be a collaborative approach because things shift postpartum. What, what once like turned you on before kids, like it doesn't necessarily after baby, like your husband coming up behind you and like grabbing your breast may have been like your thing before babies. And then now you have a baby attached to your breast eight hours out of the day. You're like, Don't like, touch me. I'm like, nope, that's definitely <laughs> not what I want right now. So figuring that out, that is not my expertise, but I have some really good people that I refer out to. And it's figuring out one of my favorite books. Again, she has not paid me to say this. It's called come as you are. Mm -hmm. It is like life-changing. I have it on audiobook. And I always recommend like driving through the Starbucks drive-thru with it on because <laughs> really you get some really, out. yeah, it's like, it's always really fun. You're just like, mm, yes, I'll take a grande, like, <laughs> and it's playing in the background. Okay. But so this book talks about, again, you have brakes and accelerators and I hope for Emily's sake, that that's the author that I'm doing this in justice. You have brakes and accelerators and those are going to shift throughout your lifetime, right? Because you're in different stages of life. So there's certain things that once pushed on your accelerator and got you like in the mood, which now might be pressing on your brake. And so it's figuring those things out with your partner 
uh, to find that like pleasure again. But then from a PT standpoint, we also have to think about, again, if you, if you squeeze your fist really, really hard and you look at it, it's like white knuckles, that's decreased blood flow. So if your pelvic floor is hypertonic, you're minimizing blood flow to the clitoris, mm, kind yep, of okay. to the glands that stimulate lubrication, and then all of those other things. So again, we make sure all of like the physical stuff is in, is in working order. But again, it ta- it's, a, it's a collaborative approach. That's why mm-hmm. there's no magic pink pill for us. Too bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think there's something out there, but like the side effects, you're like, you. Yeah, not doing that. <laughs> it's a little outweighs it a little bit. I think that I can very confidently say about Amy that she would say life is too short to have painful, uncomfortable, non-pleasurable sex. Amen, sis. When I And I know this about you because when I left... Um, one of my last, like, like after my six week, I went and saw Amy and she's like, me, I don't think you're ready for sex yet. I think you need a cup. Just, I think it's going to be just hang on. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when I was ready, she's like, okay. And FYI, I'm going to tell you this now, when you leave, if you don't have an orgasm within six months, you call me Yeah, and we'll figure it out. Right. Cause it's important. It's yeah, it's a little important. <laughs> <laughs> and it might not be to some people or yeah. some people might just say, yeah. cause I don't think it's uncommon to say, well, this is just how it is now. Right. But it doesn't have to be. And I think you should always count your orgasms and not your calories. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's always the best thing. Okay. Big topic. Prolapse. Yes. Now what is prolapse okay. if you're listening and you don't know? Okay. Don't Google it. Like ever. Don't Google it. I know as someone that has Googled it. And it's like, it just don't Google it. Okay. So prolapse. All right. So here we go. Think about it this way. Think about your vagina as like a little bit of a canal. And sometimes like the hallways, like the, you know, they can get a little bit lax, right? So what that means is everything down there is next door neighbors, right? So if my center room is my vagina, then my cervix is up top in my uterus, right? Sometimes the vaginal walls can get a little bit lax. Well, what butts up against those walls? One is your urethra. That's like your pee little straw and that connects to your bladder. And then you have your uterus that's at the top of the vagina. And then in the back is your rectum and your anus. So sometimes when that vaginal wall can't support or if it's had some trauma, right, things start to kind of push into the vaginal canal or the uterus starts to kind of fall down into the vaginal canal or vice versa. So it's like that we kind of grade it and we kind of talk about it from what is pushing into the vaginal canal. But it's like really scary. You're like, something is falling out of my body or there's extra tissue in there, or I feel like I'm sitting on a ball, I have heaviness. Like what is happening? And it's really scary um, because I'm a PT and I dealt with that after my first. And I went to three different specialists, three went to a gastro doctor. I mean, it was insane. And it was prolapse the whole time. It was prolapse. And I think we have to figure out, okay, which area is it coming from? The front, the top, the back, multiple spots. What's causing it? Is it how you're pooping? Is it, are you bearing down when you're lifting weights? Are you holding your breath when you're getting up and picking up the baby? We have to determine like what's causing it. And then same thing. We say, all right, The pelvic floor is supposed to support all those structures to say, hey, stop pushing into the vaginal canal Mm -hmm. and then pressure management. It's like a little canister in there. It's like a can of biscuits, you know, like the Pillsbury biscuits. (laughs) As soon as you get like that one little seam, everything's like- comes busting out. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we just have to make sure that that seam is really, really supported. In other words, that's the pelvic floor. So sometimes that might require surgery, but would, maybe not. Yeah. So there's like steps to get to surgery, right? Surgery should never, like if someone's like, you've got prolapse, let's sign you up on Monday for surgery. Like, I would take a step back and I would do a little bit more research. So the way that I do it, um, a lot of people have never heard of urogynecology. Urogynecology is kind Which, of like, like my mom has one and said that oh she's like an angel on earth. They like, are incredible. Amazing. And so they're the ones that will truly diagnose your prolapse and grade it. They'll be like, oh, it's a grade two. And so I send, like, if I really truly think it's like a significant prolapse, I will send you to urogynecology and work with them. Because before we even talk surgery, there's little devices that you can insert that are like, oh, here, let me help you out, you okay. know, posterior wall. Oh, hey, cervix and, you know, uterus, let me just hold you guys up. So there's different devices that you can insert into the vaginal canal that are just like a support while we strengthen and get that pelvic floor functioning properly. And that should be the step before surgery. Got it. But then urogynecology will kind of help coach you through that, some, some of that stuff as well. Got it. Two questions regarding prolapse. One is when I have my period, it feels like my insides are going to fall out. Mm -hmm. Is that something that might be prolapse? Like it could be, I think a lot of it would be, okay. So we would want to know a little bit more. Um, do you have any heaviness? Is it worse at the end of the day? Uh, do you see any tissues bulging out? Um, how are your bowel movements? So, because sometimes during like your period or leading up to it, your bowels will change. So imagine if that canal is like a little bit lax and your stool is really, really hard yeah. and your pelvic floor is taut, like everything's going to push into that vaginal canal. So is it your period or is it the change in bowels? Got it. Um, and then someone said, if you feel pressure down there sometimes, is that a sign of prolapse? Which I feel like is kind of complicated because mm -hmm. I definitely do not have prolapse and I, def I still feel pressure depending on the day. Yeah. In different places. Like there's so yeah. many places you can feel pressure. I feel mm -hmm. like with that one, you have to be really specific about yeah. where the pressure falls. Exactly. So I, again, I would have some follow-up questions like, is your pressure in your anus? Like that's your butthole. Like, do you have pressure there? Um, is it in this space between your vagina and your anus or is it all in your vagina? Like, so there's a few more questions we have. Is it usually worse at the end of the day? And if you get off your feet, is it a little bit better? Mm -hmm. Um, so I will say again, for some of those management things, one of my favorite things is laying down on the ground, taking a couch cushion and putting it underneath your butt in like a bridge position and throwing your legs like over the couch and just laying there and allowing all of the pelvic organs just to get off of the pelvic Take a floor. Break. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like, let the, let that pelvic floor just have a timeout and see if that can improve your symptoms a little bit too. We have another quick break. And next up, we are going to dive headfirst into ab separation and C-sections. I'll tell you what, I really love about Liquid IV's Energy Multiplier. I love the fact that it's so convenient. I'm not an easy coffee drinker. I can't just have a cup of black coffee and go about my day. I need the fancy stuff. It needs to be iced. It probably involves some sort of syrup and foam. It's certainly not the most healthy coffee recipe on the planet, and it's definitely not convenient. So when I need an energy boost, I go to Liquid IV's Energy Multiplier for convenience. It gives me the boost of about two cups worth of coffee, but it's just a stick of powder that you mix into a glass of water. You drink it down, you get the energy boost. It's more sustained for me than like caffeine or an energy drink. 
and it's balanced. It just levels me out for the rest of the day. Like I said, it's so convenient. Grab your energy liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code UPSIDE at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use code UPSIDE at liquidiv.com. Start fueling your adventures today at liquidiv.com, promo code Upside. I am a new parent. Our daughter Ellie is four months old, and I really don't know a whole lot about kids. And KiwiCo has really been helping us with that. Here's what's so cool: we got Ellie the Panda Crate. KiwiCo is a monthly subscription that has hands-on educational projects for your kids. Now, if your kids are as young as Ellie, which is four months old, I'm thinking, okay, what? possibly could they send us that I wouldn't know about. She's only four months, right? She loved the products that KiwiCo sent us and they were not only great for her age and her development, but it taught me why it's important for her development at this point. And it has given me a lot of knowledge that I wouldn't have otherwise had from doctors and from professionals that know what they're talking about. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code upside at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com promo code upside. Diastis recti. Did I say that right? Yeah. Close enough. Splitting of the abs pretty much. I mean, in my terms, it means your abs split. Um, I thought when, before I was pregnant that there are exercises that you do when you're pregnant that will cause permanent tearing and permanent damage. I was not doing any of those. I still had a little bit of separation. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were able to treat that. Someone said two questions here. Is there a way to fix it without surgery and does it impact pelvic floor function at all? Yes. Yes. And yes. Um, okay. So first question, um, thinking about it as can you fix it without surgery? So again, we need to know the extent of it. So we always kind of, again, diastasis recti. I yeah, I said it wrong. It. No, I, I don't think I'm saying it wrong <laughs> at this point. I'm like, okay, I've almost exceeded my work count for the day. Okay. We'll say DR for sure. So DR is like this buzz word right now, like on social media too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're not trying to fear monger and like scare people. And I hate that there's some exercise programs out there that are like, oh, you can prevent it and you can do this. Like, your body is meant to change throughout your pregnancy. Are there things that you can do to minimize your risk? Yes, absolutely, right? So what we have to think about is that pressure, that can of biscuits again, right? That little seam, that's like the midline, that's kind of where that ab separation occurs. So can you have certain exercises that maybe you're not realizing you're holding your breath or you're lifting too heavy or you're doing like hanging and bringing your knees to your chest? Like, yes, some of that stuff can put you at a higher risk, but can you do it appropriately? And if you can, then it's like fair game. Mm -hmm. And when we say, can you do it appropriately? Can you manage your intra-abdominal pressure, your IAP? That's another kind of buzzword you might hear. You have to be able to manage that pressure. It's all about the pressure. Can you engage that deepest core layer? And when we talk, okay, well, how do you measure DR? How do you measure the ab separation? A lot of times you'll hear like placing your fingers in between the gap. And that's great, but sometimes you also have to think about the depth. How far down can I put my hands into the abdomen? That's more of the function. 
Okay. So yes, ab separation, it's, it can be fixed. Uh, you have to think you have to train this whole system, but then it's that deepest core layer that has to be able to engage transverse abdominis. That's the one that co-contracts with the pelvic floor. So yes, having ab separation can directly correlate with pelvic floor dysfunction. We see a lot of like lingering back pain coming from a lot of the DR and interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. Like if you have that low back pain and you're like, Oh, I know I have some ab separation, but my back is killing me. And you've been to PT for your back and nothing's working. And you haven't had your abdomen assessed, like disservice. Like you've got to get this whole unit of like, just check what out. I realized. And Amy, if you make an appointment with her in particular, and I can't speak for other PTs, but, um, like she'll show you physically show you how all these things are connected. Yeah. Even like I was having knee pain postpartum pretty bad. And she was like, okay, well, like we're going to treat like your basically like your thigh. Cause here's how the muscle is connected, which is connected to this, which is connected to this, your back pain connected <laughs> yes. to your pelvis. And I mean, connected like your back pain has to also do with like your pelvic floor. I'm like, what are you talking about? I know. And then she yes. shows me like, it's all, but it's all literally connected. Yeah. And one little thing can set off pain somewhere completely different. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's hard to kind of like speaking from someone who's been through pelvic floor physical therapy, it's so specific to you, which is awesome. But that's why it's so hard. I feel like to make generic it statements is. about anything because yeah. one little thing causes one other little thing and like mm -hmm. the DR affects your back or it can yeah. affect your pelvic, like it affects everybody differently and can affect you anywhere. So right. I feel like it's hard to shoot in the dark with generic questions but I because think too, just kind of like saying these terms and putting these terms together and kind of doing this zoom out approach is really, really important to say, okay, yes, you're coming in for prolapse. Yes. You're coming in for ab separation, but like, I got to look at everything. And I, and I, as a PT and being so passionate about what I do, I have to get you to understand, like, you can't just come in, let me, you know, do my thing and send you on your way. Like my job is to teach you and for you to understand because like we have to work together. So when you know that, when you feel, you know, um, pelvic floor pain or pressure, you know that you can grab your couch cushion, get on mm -hmm. your back, put yes. your knees up, try to relieve that. You know, when you have back pain, what exercises to do, you know, also something that's really valuable. They can teach you what exercises might be hurting yeah. your pelvic floor, might be affecting your bladder, might be affecting everything in your, your back. And you yes. might not even know that you're doing it or the way I have Amy watched how I sit up, how I get out of my car. <laughs> I, I mean, like, just oh, girl, we got to change that. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. she's like, Hey, I think she watched me get, get up for the first time. And she's like, great. So we're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you done with that. Yep. Um, but we don't, you know, like you, it, it, that's a cool part of it too, is figuring out what exercises you can do and how mm -hmm. to work. You know, you, we are injuring ourselves all the time. We don't even realize it. Yeah. Um, anyways. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. C-sections. Let's talk about C-sections because I feel like there are a lot of, and we've talked about this a little bit, but there's yeah. a lot of misconceptions that you can't have pelvic floor issues if you didn't have a vaginal birth. Right. Not right. Dispel that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, correct. Okay. So first, I, again, they, there's, again, I'm, I'm a big like advocate for social media. I feel like it's just this great avenue for us to spread awareness and things like that. But I've been seeing a lot of stuff like C-sections, the easy way out. And I'm like, um, pump the brakes. 
No, it's not. Like the C-section route is just, it's not the easy way out. That is a major, major abdominal surgery. And we have got to start treating these patients as so. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, any C-section woman, like that is a big, big surgery. And we've got to start kind of saying, all right, we need to address that as a big surgery, not just, oh, we stitched you up and you should be fine. So I think that being said, again, in turn can affect your pelvic floor. Regardless if the babies come out of your abdomen or out of your vagina, you've had a baby growing inside of your belly for a very long time that's just sitting on top of your pelvic floor. Right. <laughs> so saying that you're like in the clear is like slim to none, right? Right. And then it's going to change things like the, your first time that you go to the bathroom after a C-section and how do you guard and hold and it might change the way that you push and bear down. Like where does your poo go through? Your pelvic floor. And so it's, you know, yes, having pelvic floor dysfunction after a C-section is so, so common and those are the ones that kind of await a little bit and they're like, but I had a C-section. I'm like, no, like come in now. And it's like, can be addressed. And cause I mean, it's again, it's all related. Scars. Yes. Okay. I, there were a number of questions about C-section scars being painful for years after surgery. If someone has a C-section scar, they, no matter when they had their child, is that something that you treat? Yes. Painful scars. Absolutely. So again, those layers. Again, when you look at your C-section, you're like, oh, my scar looks really good. But what you really have to think about is like it's layers of scars because you can't just have like one little stitch and like everything magically heal. Okay. They had to stitch up your uterus. They had to stitch up your muscular layer. And then they had to stitch up what you can see, kind of the superficial skin and fascia. So what we have to do is make sure that all that stuff can slide and glide. We teach you guys scar desensitization. Again, scars and the nerves around those scars, they can become really, really sensitive. So by desensitizing them and teaching you different techniques to do so, and then scar massage and teaching you how to move and gently start to stretch the scar and work the scar and retrain the abdomen so it's not just pulling on that scar tissue that's again, when you start to see these patients that are years and years out, or even really, really fresh, that's kind of the, the sequence that we go in desensitization, working the scar layers, and then teaching the muscles from there how to function properly. And I think the one thing that you said to me that was really cool that I hadn't thought about was when you talk about desensitizing a scar, because a lot of people will say, well, I'm numb. Mm -hmm. I can't feel anything. Yeah. But you were talking to me about the like the um like the nerves mm -hmm. and how we're growing nerves back and if we don't touch those if we don't manipulate those yes. if we are afraid of the scar which I 1000% would have without you and even fresh out of my c-section I was too scared to touch it and it took some coaching for Amy but I <laughs> went to see her I'm like you do it yeah. I don't want to touch it I'm, I'm like freaked I'll out. start but I will <laughs> hand the torch yeah um but teaching those scars, those, um, nerves that it's okay to be touched yeah. and manipulated and stuff like that. And that's something that I learned. Are you I'm proud? just so proud. Are I know. You? I was just thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, I've taught her so oh much. My gosh, I'm <laughs> listening. I was listening. So it's not too late. If you still have a painful C-section scar, physical therapy, yes, they can help you with that. Um, what if you have a super lumpy, just really tough scar mm -hmm. and you're, you don't want to touch it because either it hurts or it's uncomfortable or it's weird or ropey yes. or whatever. Okay. So it's so cool that you asked that. So on our Instagram stories, Kelly, my partner, she just had her twins like 10 months ago 
And that was her scar. Like she had two vaginal deliveries and then a C-section. And she's like, um, I treat C-section scars all day. Like, why does mine look like this? You know? So I did, I went out to Denver, not just for this. I came to see the kids, not her C-section scar, (laughs) (laughs) but again, we treat each other. So we started, we were like, okay, let's get after this thing. Let's do our massage. She knew what to do with desensitizing. We do cupping, which is really cool. And a little bit of dry needling to the scar. And so I worked it. And then our other PT out in Denver would come and see her about every other week and work it with cupping. If you see her before and her after, it is crazy. So it's like, if you go to her stories, I think it's one of our highlights and you just see like her C-section scar and you see like, like this cool, like beginning and it was, hers was super ropey. And I was like, I don't know, Kel. I don't know about this one. <laughs> I'm magic, but I'm not that magic. <laughs> no. I was like, this one's going to take some work. Um, but we did. We worked it. She did what she was supposed to do. Our other PT worked on it again. And it was, it's really, really cool. Because again, what we have to determine too, some scars keloid. So we treat those a little bit differently. But, but will then, it ever go away? Will the knots ever go away? They can, yeah. They can. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, hers is like just so beautifully magical. I mean, it is just like, (laughs) I'm like, let me touch it again. (laughs) So it is, it looks really good. Even years after you've had a baby, can you still treat your scar? Oh yeah, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. with the ropey and and Mm -hmm. all that, you can still work on it. Absolutely. Um, can you help with the FUPA? That was uh, a question I that love, I got. Yes, you can. I actually asked, it, it sounds like a silly question and I was almost laughing when I asked it, but I literally asked that. Like, so what are we going to do about that? Because I think, especially with C-sections, like you kind of get what I think you called the first, like a little bit of a shelf shelf, or yeah. yeah. What would you do about that? Okay. So you have to think about it this way. Scar tissue can kind of like stick to each other, right? So if you have multiple scars and multiple different layers of your body and they start getting super sticky and tacky, like they're going to kind of hang on. And that's going to let that like skin and fascia just kind of settle over it a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a little smiley face down there. <laughs> um, so again, first things first, you've got to work that scar. And then you have to train that deepest core layer again, because that's kind of like your corset muscle. What we oftentimes see is almost like rib gripping. So again, if you squeeze the top of a balloon, the bottom of the balloon gets much bigger, right? Right. So again, post C-section, the obliques, the kind of muscles around your ribs, those are a little bit easier to contract than that lower abdomen closer to your C-section scar. So again, kind of saying, all right, let's look at this again, this as a whole. You've got to treat the scar first. You've got to get those tissues moving and then kind of looking at the rib cage and saying, all right, are you just squeezing the top of your balloon? Like allowing the bottom of the abdomen to just pooch mm-hmm. out. That's very, which is a really hard muscle to get, by the it's way, so I don't hard. think I had ever utilized that muscle yeah. until I was pregnant and came mm-hmm. to see you because I didn't know how to activate it's it. It's a tricky one. It's definitely weird. Like I, I know how to now, mm-hmm. um, but now I'm thinking like, have I even ever worked out that muscle in the gym? Right. Like, cause people say your lower abs, but really everything I was doing in the gym yeah. was really upper. I mean, this is like low, yeah. Yeah. but you can't engage. I mind blown. It's, and blown. it's a cool, again, it, like I said, it's like this cool little system and there's certain things that should work first and second and third. But again, that deepest core layer, it goes, it actually kind of goes all the way up to your sternum and around the rib cage. It's a big, large muscle. And so you just have to get it all kind of working together. Is that why people might have pain for years after when they're doing ab work mm. after they've had a C-section? Is that? Yeah. Or even just after anything, like a lot of like rib pain or like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, my ribs are killing me. 
like postpartum. I have like three patients right now that are coming to see me for this just like annoying rib pain. And it's because their obliques are like lit up and not, the diaphragm's not working. The core is just like all over the place. And again, we just have to do a lot of that release work to release it and get everything working appropriately again. Next up, we're talking about going to the bathroom for the first time after you have a baby. The fear is real. And we're also going to talk about what physical therapy appointments are like as they pertain to your pelvic floor, what you can expect. And I'm going to be talking about my experience and why it was not half as awkward as I thought it would be. All right. You have been in pajamas and slippers for the past year. Don't even lie. I know you have. Well, when you are diving back into the real world, make sure you stay comfortable and do that with Rothy's shoes. Now, when I say comfortable, I don't mean like, oh, they're pretty comfortable. But then, you know, when I finish my work day, I have blisters all over my feet. No, 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 no. What I mean is I got a pair of Rothy's in the mail. I took them out you know, for work for the next day, laid them out, went to work the next day, worked a full eight hour day in a brand new pair of Rothy's and did not get one blister, one scratch on my skin. They are super comfortable. Not only are they comfortable, but they are super cute. They're a celebrity favorite and I love them. I love them so much that I am the proud owner of five pair of Rothy's shoes. My favorite right now is the sneaker style. It's great for just on the go and every day, but I also love the loafer style, which is what I'll wear to work with some jeans and a button up. It's a really cute look and I love their shoes, their bags and their masks, which are all machine washable. Check out all the amazing shoes, bags and masks available right now at rothys.com slash upside. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash upside. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash upside today. If you're trying to find a way to put some extra money in your pocket, here is a suggestion. What if you were able to refinance your credit cards and save hundreds of dollars, maybe even thousands of dollars a year in interest? You can do that with Lightstream. They offer credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Now, the average credit card interest rate is over 18% APR. So think of how much money you could save every single month and how quickly that would add up simply by contacting Lightstream and getting a credit card consolidation loan through them. The rate is fixed. It's never going to go up for the life of the loan and there are no fees you might even get your money the same day you apply with Lightstream. Just for Upside listeners only, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash upside, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash upside. Upside. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.5% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Go to lightstream.com slash upside for more information. You said something earlier about like the area in between your um, vagina and your anus, uh-huh. I think. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, when you are 
pooping, Mm -hmm. if that area hurts when you feel pain, Mm -hmm. that is attached to your pelvic floor. That is your pelvic floor. That is your pelvic floor. So always kind of, that's like grand central station, right? So like that's called your perineal body. That's where we have tearing and things like that. Um, External anal sphincters right there. A lot of other muscles go right there. So perineal body in my world, I call that grand central station. Like everybody's going to come in here and connect, right? So if you have discomfort in that area, is it the external anal sphincter or Have you had a vaginal delivery and had tearing in that area and it's more of like sensitivity from the scar? Mm -hmm. Um, Or does it feel like this like bulging and heaviness? Um, So if you're really fresh postpartum, like that first postpartum poo, this is just like my little like gold tidbit I'll throw out there. Um, Your first postpartum poo is quite intimidating, but if you can just like sweetly cup your vulva and your like vagina and kind of push up on that space while you appropriately bear down, your first postpartum poo will be very anticlimactic. And that will Mine was be, very anticlimactic. Yes. And that's what I'm like. Thanks oh, to you. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want. Your pregnancy, postpartum, I want it to be like, oh, it's kind of smooth sailing. <laughs> like, I, that's my ultimate goal for every woman. Amy was like, okay, I'm going to prepare you for this. This is like true story. Way too TMI. But I told you <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, like nothing is too TMI when you're talking about this stuff. So I had like a huge... So you told me to like, you know, Amy is a huge fan of the squatty potty. Yes. I did not have that. Didn't feel like buying it, but I did have like rolls of toilet paper, you know, still in the thing or whatever. So I was like, I'm going to keep them in the bathroom and just like stick them, you know, under my feet if I feel like I have to go. Cause she's like, that will help you, your body be in a position where you won't be straining and you won't be whatever. Jeff is like, why is there so much toilet paper in the bathroom? (laughs) Like it doesn't, I I literally (laughs) said, I was like, you don't want to know. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with you. You just need to, he will, (laughs) he will just be so happy. But that was like, I was so scared. And then it was anticlimactic because you, you you know, taught me different things about relaxing and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it really wasn't a huge deal, but man, was I scared. And right. I imagine if you have any sort of like stitching down nice. there, like it's, it's can be terrifying. I also took, um, what did you have me take? Uh, oh, like the Coles and Miralax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff I like also that. took oh, that. get it nice and soft. Yeah. Like that should be like in every like pregnant mom's playbook right there. I and mean, you told like, me to take it before. Oh yeah. My C-section. Oh, which absolutely. I did. Yeah. On the way to the hospital because my water broke <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. A little bit different. It was a little bit different, so. but I had it like on my calendar. I'm like, start taking it. Um, so your ability to control your anus, which mm-hmm. I think is something that people are even more embarrassed about I than know. the peeing thing. Like the peeing thing is like, oh, everybody does it. Everybody it's funny, peeing. whatever. A lot of people have leakage too. And it's have like one in four women. Yeah. Like, and have look problems at, like, controlling. Go to work today or if you like, or, you know, go into your yoga classes again or in the grocery store and like look around and be like, oh my gosh, one in four of us is like having poo accidents. Yes. Like, it's a big deal. And it is treatable. Uh, So treatable. Treatable in the same way yes. that learning how to like not pee, mm-hmm. like teaching your muscles. You can also teach your muscles. Yeah. Yeah. To feel the urge. And so a lot of times we'll get like that urgency stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel like when I have to go to the bathroom, I cannot make it. Sometimes you'll have leakage um, because you have an internal anal sphincter and then an external. Internal is like your heart. You're not going to control it. When it's time, it's time. Mm -hmm. External anal sphincter, it's just like the muscles in your biceps or your quads. Like we can train those and control those appropriately. And then again, sometimes it is. It's just retraining that sphincter to do what it needs to do. Is there such thing as rectal prolapse? Yes. Okay. And how do you know if you have that or how, like, will you see it? So rectal that's prolapse, a little different, I it feel is like. a little bit different. And then prolapse just kind of gets this like blanket term. 
Um, so there's things like rectocele and cystocele. And okay, people asked about that too. Yeah, so that it's really naming it from like the direction that it's coming from. So that's going to be more from like the medical standpoint. We've got to know where it's coming from to train appropriately, decide what pessary is going to be best and so forth. Um, but then rectal prolapse, it's the same concept. It's, it's kind of having that tissue bulging out of the anus versus bulging out of the vagina. So it's again, same thing. It's naming it to where it's coming out of. And then you said the cyst thing. What did you say? Cystocele. Yeah. Okay. That's more so, of like the bladder. Okay. Mm-hmm. So somebody asked about that and is that something that you treat? So I'm assuming the answer Absolutely, is yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think that's all of the poop talk. The Amy will also give you a very pretty, it's on her Instagram right now oh, at yes. the dot Ravel. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the prettiest Bristol PDF. Yes. That she, <laughs> it's a stool scale of what things should be looking yes. like. And again, it's weird. It's not something you really want to know about. To be honest, like I would have told you, like, I don't really care about it, but it is important, so especially important. if you're having all these issues. Like the more you know with your body, the better. And you can also better verbalize to people that are trying to help you what's going mm-hmm. on. And that makes the whole experience better. So if you're not doing it for you, do it for the person that's helping you because yes. it makes things so much easier and you can describe things and you get, in my opinion, I mean, you always get good care, but you, if you can pinpoint and verbalize what's wrong, mm-hmm. that makes things easier for your practitioner because they have somewhere to start. Yeah. You got to talk pee, poo, and sex. <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, you just have to. I mean, it is like the trifecta. So if you're getting your pelvic floor assessed and someone's not asking you about your bowel habits, you need to be like, um, I think I heard this thing that I was supposed to tell you how I'm pooping. And they'll be like, oh yeah, let's, let's talk about that. But like you, like you need it's to so know. Weird, it's so weird, but it's, yes. yeah. Oh, I asked all the questions. My sweet girl this morning, I was like, okay, let's talk about poop. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm like, what does yours look like? And how often are you going? I'm like, are you straining? Are you doing this? And she's like, um, actually, yeah. And I'm like, okay, open conversation now. So, right. This is why I said in the beginning, Amy and I were talking about stuff that within like five minutes, she totally disarmed me because there really <laughs> yes. is like nothing TMI. God, I've heard it. I have literally heard it all. Um, so and seen it all. It. I've seen it all. Yes, at this point. Yeah, and <laughs> yes. you're just like totally from a non-judgy place because if you're walking, if you are brave enough yes. to walk into someone asking for help, like that is by far the hardest part of all the of this. Hardest. I thought the hardest part would be exposing myself, mm-hmm. and to be honest, I didn't really feel exposed at all. And that's one thing I want to talk about is like, okay, what is it like? Like, do they have to touch you? Do they have to? And I I even asked Amy this because I was so upset at the prospect of someone touching me. And I am not someone that has suffered from any sort of trauma or sexual trauma or anything like that. But I did feel really uncomfortable. Amy, for anyone listening that might have experienced a sexual trauma, Amy has training in that. Mm -hmm. And actually you have quite a few clients, as I understand it, Mm -hmm. that have been through sexual trauma. So that's something I think you could probably ask your practitioner too, if that's yeah. your experience and you're really nervous and upset, mm-hmm. your provider needs to know that. Absolutely. And I think too, again, 
you got to find your person, you know, like I might not be for everybody. Like you have to find your person. You have to find that person that you can sit down and I've got to make you feel really comfortable really fast so I can get you better much faster. Right. But sometimes this stuff doesn't come out until your third session and you get the, oh yeah, well actually this one time and you're like, okay, that's going to change our course of action. It's going to completely change it. So I think like going into, when you hear pelvic floor, you're like, oh, they're going to put something in my vagina. Great. Here we go. It's really has to be this zoom out approach. Like we've, we've talked about this before. It's your whole body. I've got to assess your whole body. So I will kind of, you know, give you my spiel. I'm going to assess your spine first. I need to know what your shoulders doing, what your back doing, what your pelvis doing. And then from there, I want to say, okay, do you have any sacral pain, any tailbone pain, any knee pain? And we kind of address that. I will always assess the abdomen and the diaphragm first. So that way you get comfortable with me, like touching. I will always ask for permission to place my hand anywhere on you. And I think that's one thing as clinicians, we've got to make sure because you don't know someone's history. Mm -hmm. So you always have to say, do you mind if I place my hand here? And then if you're going to move it, okay, I'm moving my hand to here because again, that'll make someone tense up Mm -hmm. in itself. And then really educating on why are we doing an internal examination? I always do an external vulvar assessment first. We got to check skin conditions, what's going on, what's just its resting state, um, clitoral hood mobility, all these things. We've got to assess that first. And then at that point, I will always ask, are you okay with proceeding with an internal examination? Sometimes I get a no and that's okay. I can still do so much work externally. Mm -hmm. If the answer is, yeah, oh, go for it. Like I'm here, let's do this you still have to talk them through every process. This is what muscle I'm on and this is why. Or do you have tenderness? Okay, try to, you know, let these muscles go and contract here. And then working all of those layers. And we don't just do vaginal, we do rectal exams too, if warranted. And I think that's the thing is none of it's unnecessary. Like it's Mm -hmm. not like, I think, you know, as women, we think, oh, it's like going to the OBGYN, like no matter what, you know, you're going to be on a table with your legs open. Like there's no avoiding that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not how it is. I think for me in the past year, I've maybe had three sessions, maybe three, definitely at least two, Uh but I think probably three internal. And I've been with Amy once every three weeks during my pregnancy and every two weeks postpartum. So it's really not, it's really not all the time. And for someone that thinks it's a huge deal and hates going to the gynecologist and really Mm -hmm. it is so much less awkward than I thought and so much less invasive. And it really is in an environment of like, okay, what does this feel like? So it's almost Mm -hmm. like you're having a conversation and it's more like, you know, what does this feel like? Does this hurt? Does this feel like pressure? Does Mm -hmm. it? So you're not focused on the, Holding oh your breath, just get yes. it done. You do what you have to yeah. do and all. Like it's really yeah. interactive is the wrong word because you're like, I'm not helping her, yeah. but we're talking through it. So she's trying to figure out, you know, it's not as, it is definitely not as awkward in my opinion mm-hmm. as an annual exam or yeah. a pap smear. I think that is way more invasive. And um, I think you even said that to me. You're like, just do what you have to do. And I'm like, no, no. Like, I'm like, don't even it. talk. <laughs> like, don't like, talk no, to no. me. I'm like, I need to know the answer to these questions I'm asking you because again, that's going to guide our treatment and what's going to get you better too. Um, I think you already touched on this, but I thought it was something that was important. Somebody asked, how does trauma impact um, pelvic pain? Mm. Um, 
I don't know if they meant sexual trauma. I don't know if they meant birth trauma. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I'll kind of hit on that. Um, let's talk sexual trauma first. So again, we tend to always tell everyone, there's some really cool studies out there. I'm kind of a studies nerd that they've put different electrodes on a woman's perineum and that's your pelvic floor muscles. And they've shown you um, different images. They've shown you non-threatening, or they've done a pelvic floor, excuse me, pelvic floor and your upper trapezius muscles, like your neck muscles. Because mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I have a tension headache. I'm holding yeah. in my shoulders, right? So they put electrodes there and on the perineum and they showed them non-threatening images. They showed them threatening images, like someone's coming after you with something and then sexually threatening images. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their hypothesis was like, oh, the threatening images, you'll tense up and close your eyes. And then the sexual, sexually threatening images, you'll kind of clench your pelvic floor. It actually showed that when you hold tension and when you clench, you actually clench both simultaneously with trauma. So we can say that. So if you've been in a car accident, say you've been in an abusive relationship, say you have a stressful day at work and you're like, oh, I just have these tension headaches. You're probably holding tension in your pelvic floor as well. And that can eventually lead to some chronic pelvic okay. pain. Yeah. And then the obvious with sexual trauma. I mean, I just, my heart just goes out to the women that have had to deal with that. Um, it breaks my heart. And that has got to be a collaborative approach. I don't need to be the only practitioner that you're seeing. Um, I think having a good team behind you and a good support system whenever you've dealt with sexual trauma is vital in progressing you through chronic pelvic pain. Um, and I just feel like those are the the big two things that I see. But it happens to so many more people, so many more women oh, than you think. It's just, it breaks it's, my heart. It's way too common. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So a couple little random like one-off questions mm -hmm. um, that I thought were really interesting and kind of generic. Um, what about people that can't afford physical therapy? Mm -hmm. um, you guys specifically, I know, yeah. have have not a system, but like a program that yeah, you work with. Yeah, we do. So again, we do. We just, again, for our community outreach, I think it's really important. We do offer financial assist. And so that's one thing, like, just like a lot of these medical companies will do at times to say, just explain your situation to me. Like I'm a human being. I have children. We've had hard times. Like COVID has hit all of us and affected all of our families. It's, if you fill out an application, you answer a couple of questions for me and you kind of express to me like, okay, we're in this together. Um, that will, I review with my team and we say, okay, yes, we will do this service at a discounted rate. We also do two pro bonos a month. That's free. Awesome. Completely. Like if you need it, usually it's more for doctor's referrals. I get it from most of my urogynecologists. Mm -hmm. Um, and they say, Hey, I think this would be a really good case for you to take on. Um, I review their case, same thing, and say, okay, I think I'll be a good fit. And we give them free treatment. Did um, you – are your virtual – your first virtual mm -hmm. consult is free? My, we do like the 15 minutes. 15 minutes, yeah. yeah. So, that's so like you can – if you just mm -hmm. want to like get a vibe from yeah. someone at the Ravel mm -hmm. over the phone or just be like, yeah. hey, I have this thing or this problem. Is this even something that exactly. you – like if you're not sure, that's a great place to do it because mm -hmm. you can just do a little consult. You don't have to go anywhere. You yeah. can kind of ease – ease your way into it. Um, here's a question that I think you are just going to love and hate all at the same time. Okay. Um, why don't doctors all recommend pelvic floor physical therapy after six weeks? Okay. Do you have a soapbox in here? Because <laughs> like, Get up oh on my there, gosh, girl. it is. And I'm telling you, Atlanta has actually been really good because we're here in Atlanta, Denver, and Charlotte. And some of my Atlanta OBGYNs, I just have a handful that have been so responsive. And they're like, you know what? 
I don't know why we're not doing this. So ACOG, American Council on OBGYN, they've changed their recommendations and they want you to be followed by pelvic floor PT and lactation and mental health almost like your first year postpartum, which makes I complete mean, sense, right? I'm, yeah, I'm like four and a half months postpartum. I Someone on my Instagram was telling me they had to go back to work after two weeks. I'm like, physically, how? 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 I went back at seven after my first. And that's when I was like, I what mean, am I doing? Like, it's this insane. Is insane. Mm-hmm. insane. I'm four and a half months. And I'm still working through some pain yeah, and stuff. Like, yeah, it's a lot. So I think that is we're doing our best. Again, hence, that's why our name is Ravel. Um, our our number one mission is to revolutionize, hence Ravel, um, the care that we receive as postpartum women and pregnant women, mm-hmm. to be quite frank, and women in general. Um, it's unacceptable that, so say in France, you get 20 visits with a pelvic 4PT. Like, it's an automatic. Yeah. It's a like, oh, yeah, you go see them at six weeks. Like, why are we not doing that here? Mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. But again, we're getting a lot of these OBGYNs that are really pushing for this. And they're even if someone's like, I just don't quite feel right, they're like, oh, no, no. Like, let's have you go see them. I've had two OBGYNs here in Atlanta actually come shadow and see what I it is. I love it. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, that's how it should be. We have got to work together. Mm-hmm. I don't do pap smears. I do not do half. No. I am your muscle woman, and I am the ligaments and the bones and all of that stuff. You take care of all the physiological. Let me take care of everything else. Yeah, it definitely needs to be a work together situation. All right. In a couple minutes we have coming up, we are talking about starting physical therapy, how to know when you should go and why you should go. And we're also going to uh, talk about endometriosis, which is a really popular topic. For the past several years, when I've gone to the dentist, they've remarked about how clean my teeth are. And I'll tell you when that started. When I moved from a manual toothbrush to an electric toothbrush, toothbrush. You know, there's so many benefits of using an electric over a manual toothbrush and number of strokes is one of them. Like your hand can only move so fast in your mouth to scrub your teeth clean with an electric toothbrush so much faster. Trust me. And if you're going to make the switch from manual to electric, make the switch to a brush toothbrush. It is like a work of art sitting on your bathroom counter. I love just staring at it, but it's also super practical. It's got six modes that will customize your brushing experience. So if you're trying to whiten your teeth, if you've got sensitive gums, if you're just doing a normal brush, even if you're brushing your tongue, it's all there on a brush toothbrush waiting for you. So ditch the manual toothbrush, move to electric, move to a brush. And you can get 15% off your brush toothbrush kit and refill plan when you use promo code UPSIDE at brush.com. That's B-R-U-U-S-H.com. Save 15% using promo code UPSIDE. This episode of The Upside is sponsored by Apostrophe, a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. Prescription acne treatment really works, but it's kind of a pain to get. You have to take time off work. You got to see a doctor, go to the pharmacy, all that kind of stuff until Apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board certified dermatologist online. You'll be treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. Now, I have had it on my to-do list for months to get 
get back into a prescription skincare routine for the melasma on my face, the little brown spots all over my face that drive me nuts. And I keep forgetting to make an appointment with my dermatologist. And I thought about it last week at 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to get the skincare. So I log on to apostrophe. They asked me questions about my medical history and stuff like that. Then they ask you to submit pictures of the problem areas. So I sent them a couple of pictures of my face within three hours. I had a message from a dermatologist with a prescription to address my skincare needs. It was super easy, super efficient. And the doctor asked if they could see me back in three months to see how my skin is doing after that. Get $15 off your first visit with a board certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash upside and use our code upside. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash upside and click begin visit. Then use code upside at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E.com slash upside and use that code upside to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. Thank you to Apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast. Um, uh, when can I start physical therapy? Like, are mm-hmm. people want to know, is there, are there things that I can do before I even get pregnant mm-hmm. that would help me yeah. in physical therapy? Yeah. Um, and then when I get pregnant, when is, when do I start? Yeah. So absolutely. Like if you're in those stages of life where you're like, I think I want to start trying you just, you need to know what, where everything is. And again, kind of like I said earlier, those well checks, like you got to know, like, what is your core doing? What is your pelvic floor doing? Like if pain is extreme, I mean, excuse me, if sex is extremely painful, like it's probably going to be very challenging for you to want to have sex, like during your ovulation Enough time. time like, so, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, those are the kind of things we'd want to address. And some people are like, I just want to know what's, what's working and what's not. So, (laughs) which I think is so great because now, again, now, you know, Mm -hmm. and then during pregnancy, we don't do any internal work in the first trimester, but if you have aches and pains, obviously come see me. Usually I see most of my women in second In second, I'll do like a check-in and then I'll say, okay, here you are. And I always am on board with the OBs. We don't have to have like written permission from them, but I will always contact the OBs and say, Hey, this is where I want to go with this patient. And this is why, because again, collaboration is mm-hmm. huge. So second trimester is usually when I like to see them. We'll do a check-in with core and pelvic floor. I'll check for ab separation, any hypertonicity, and we start teaching them birth prep. So that's for postpartum. I mean, that's for pregnancy. Then once you creep up to third trimester and you say, okay, this is the birth that I would like to have whether it's scheduled C-section, whether it's vaginal delivery, water birth, whatever, I've got to start prepping you for that type of birth. And that's why all of our clinicians now are childbirth educators as well, because it's that important. And I knew I was having a Mm C-section. So we went over like so many things. Oh my gosh. We went over a ton, but I think it's also important to prep yourself for Mm -hmm. the possibility of having a C-section because really no one knows. You don't know what your body is going to wind up doing during birth. You don't know. There are a lot of people that would prefer not to have one, which is great, but you're not ever in 100% control of that Mm because sometimes there's medical emergencies. So I think just preparing yourself to know what's going to go on and what's going to happen. I think that also from what I know from friends who have had emergency C-sections, I think they can be very traumatic yes. if you don't know what to expect mm-hmm. and you're not prepared. And um, I had a C-section. I was overly prepared, mostly because of Amy. Um, but 
it doesn't hurt to prepare. Mm-hmm. And I think that will ease a little bit of the trauma of, cause birth trauma is a real thing yeah. and it is, it can be super hard to work through. Yeah. So yeah, preparing for and like the what's going to happen. Too. So like yes. the third trimester, third trimester is when we really start saying, okay, let's prep the perineum. Like you're about to push a baby through a lot of muscles. Let's prep that area. Okay. So we're not, we're not stretching this area out. We're not doing, we're teaching those muscles. It's okay to have stretch on them. We're teaching those muscles. Okay. The tissues are going to need to stretch. Let me teach you how to go ahead and stretch them before the baby's head's going to do that for you. Yeah. And then we prep you for those first vital six weeks home. You are sent home with a child and no one Six weeks. Like, it is kind of funny. Like, like you really it. think about it. Yeah. You're like, oh, I just had this major abdominal surgery. Oh, yeah. Here's your baby. Good luck. See you know? Ya. Um, so that's something really big. And in every single like private childbirth education course that we do, I always hit on C-section. They're like, no, no, but I want this kind of birth. And I'm like, I and I want you to have that birth. And we are gonna just, you know, make sure that we do everything for you to have that kind of birth, but you gotta know. And this mm-hmm. is what a C-section is. This is what it looks like. This is how you heal differently from that. And this is what you're going to do differently your first six weeks home too. It was so helpful. Oh, I good. feel like, yeah, I was going to say I <laughs> I was almost going to call myself a PG graduate, but I'm not because I have another <laughs> appointment in like a week. I'm like, oh, yeah, because as you're – this is the crazy thing is as you – enter the world. Like everyone says, Oh, six weeks, you can work out. You can have sex. You can have, (laughs) I got to tell you based on Amy's, I was cleared with my OB and no judgment to her. Like physically, like I was was healed. Everything was healed. I was fine at six weeks. (laughs) I went into Amy and she's like, no, you're not. And it was about 12 before Mm -hmm. I was ready really for Mm -hmm. what I was told I was ready for at six weeks everybody's different. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to have someone that kind of can like pull you through and be like, okay, specifically to your body and where you are and the very specific pain you're feeling right now, you're not ready. Yeah. Um, and even now I'm, you know, when we're recording this, I'm 20 weeks postpartum. I still am having knee issues that we're working through. Um, I know more about them now. So when I'm exercising, I know how to like work, you know, massage my muscles and, and do things that help. Um, but it doesn't end at six weeks. Mm-mm. Like, I, I think that's the biggest misconception that I had of postpartum is that, I mean, we're talking easily a year. Oh, for sure. Even C-section scars too. Like that first year, there's so much like tissue change that can occur. And you have to think, think like within, again, everybody's birth story is different, but think about when it's like you go into labor and you have your baby and how much your body has changed within those hours of baby inside, baby outside. Mm -hmm. Like it's incredible. Yeah. And you don't just like snap back. And it's tricky sometimes too, when you see six months in, six months out, like it's not realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone's activity level is different. Some people are like, I just want to be able to pick and hold my child and walk them into the room. And some people can't do that. Some Mm -hmm. people are like, Hey, running is a really big deal to me. And so I don't lose my shit. Quite frankly, I need to run ASAP and that's, that's their goal. And they're like, I really need to start running by 12 weeks. Okay. Well, everyone, we have to train everybody a little bit differently. I have one last question and I meant to hit on this in the beginning and I don't think that we did. I think we, we glossed over it a little bit. Um, or we talked about impastering, not glossed over it. Endometriosis pain. Um, okay. So it's super common from what I know. It's Mm -hmm. saying that just from friends that I know Mm -hmm. who it is super painful. Um, do you treat women 
regardless of pregnancy status, whatever, Mm -hmm. that have endometriosis and kind of what does that look like? And for somebody who doesn't know Mm -hmm. what that is, what is endometriosis and how does it feel to the person that has it maybe? Um, Endometriosis is very tricky and it's also a very sensitive topic too because it can start in your teenage years and that's really tricky for these people that deal with endometriosis that young. It's not just like a painful period. It's not like, oh, it's your period, get over it. Uh, There's so much more that goes into it. When the pain, again, and we need to check in with our teens too and as moms with young girls now, like there's questions I need to be looking out for as my my daughter's age as well. But it's going to be periods and pain with these periods that lingers and takes you out of work and takes you out of like your daily activities. Um, it can cause pelvic floor dysfunction. It's almost like, I think my easy way of explaining it, it's, it's tissue that's kind of outside of the uterine wall, but it lays down adhesions like within the abdomen and pelvis. So imagine and you can have flare-ups. Imagine if these adhesions and in these areas um, and these lesions flare up, like how bad that could be. One of my girls right now, she's like, sometimes it feels just like a hot knife in my abdomen. Um, sometimes I just want to like double over. It's it sends people to the hospital yeah. because of the pain. Um, and it can ebb and flow. And we Atlanta's awesome because we have some really, really good surgeons here that specialize in endo. But from a PT perspective, again, this this is one of those other things that has got to to be a collaborative approach. Mm-hmm. So um, endometriosis, like excision is like, that's like the number one. That's laparoscopic surgery where they go in and actually remove these adhesions. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes more than one surgery to do so. But then from a PT standpoint, you think, okay, if there's stickiness, adhesions, lesions in the abdomen, I can work that stuff out. I can teach clients and patients how to work their abdomen and move with things like there's some great yoga programs out there, yoga for pelvic pain and things like that, to teach them what they can do to keep this pain at bay. Um, And then some other things that we can do is this chronic pelvic pain that they might be dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. So again, same thing as that hypertonicity, teaching them how to treat their own pelvic floors, releasing that tension. Um, We teach you how to use certain wands and dilators that's something that we feel like they might need to help alleviate some of that tension as well. And I think it just has to be this collaborative approach mm-hmm. um, and, and listening, listen to your friends, to, to, like take notes as moms. It's like, we have to start seeing this stuff in our daughters. Like if your daughter's telling you, or if your friend is like, I really can't come into work today because I'm having this excruciating pain let them ask the questions. They usually get blown off by at least three, if not five practitioners before someone takes their pain seriously. That's Mm -hmm. awful. Yeah, it's awful. So it's tricky. It's just really tricky Mm -hmm. for, for, and it starts so young. I mean, I, I personally don't have experience with it myself, but I have friends that have. And then again, it can have these lingering effects later on too with fertility and so forth. So catching it earlier is always better. Perfect. Amy, thank you so yes, much. If absolutely. you stuck with this episode for this long, bless you. <laughs> yes, so much And thank you for coming to our poop sex talk. Yes. Um, but know that, you know, hopefully you learned a little bit more about pelvic floor physical therapy. And um, if you have questions, you can contact Amy's practice. What is your website? Okay. So it's www.therevel.com. So T-H-E R-E-V-E-L-L-E.com. And then our Instagram handle is at the.revelle, R-E-V-E-L-L-E. 
and you can reach us either way. And I will link um, all of that in show notes. And they have offices in Charlotte, in Denver, and in Atlanta. If you were out of those areas, would you tell people to ask their OB or oh, where yeah. would you start? Um, even for us, like, or email do, you and yeah. ask you guys. So free phone consult. So your first, first 15 minutes, like we want to talk to you. We want to help guide you. We have like two really good like databases that we refer people to okay. that have had similar training to us um, that will say, okay, what do you have going on? All right, find a practitioner that has these credentials. Okay. Oh, you know what? It's kind of like our own little fun world too. We know a lot of people like your friend in Virginia. Yeah. Her and I have kind of like chit-chatted a little bit too. Oh, good. We have people in She's California and all over. Um, it's a nice, good collaborative community so we can always help you find someone in your area too. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Most people learn about The Upside from their friends. Please tell everyone you know about this podcast so the amazing Upside community can continue to grow. And one last thing. We would love to stay in touch with you by text. Text the word UPSIDE to 800-434-5454 and then save it in your phone as Callie and Jeff.